0: Uh, If you could have anything in the world that you would want, what would that be? And the people who did the uh, uh, processing of that data were really surprised with the responses because they were not really what they anticipated. They they thought they would get more uh, materialistic responses as far as the top responders were concerned. Instead, it wasn't money or fame or success or any of those sorts of things. What led the pack in terms of the responses they received was this. They said, we want peace. If I could have more peace in my life, that would be the thing I would want more than fame, more than money, more than success, is just peace. Peace in my heart and peace in my my home and peace on the job, peace in the world that I'm living in. If If I could just have peace and not have to deal with these anxious moments with this worrisome life. And so that really kind of surprised me when I I read that because I realized afresh and anew that that's probably where the majority of the people that I talk to on any given weekend really are. That yeah, you want your family to do well and yeah, you want your business to be successful and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But probably if you're honest this morning, you would say, The thing that you desire most in life is just to have peace. Just to be able to sleep at night without some level of stress or anxiety or worry or turmoil for your heart not to be troubled. And one of the things I think we would all agree about is that when we are going through those stressful times and when our hearts feel heavy, broken and burdened, that one of the things that helps us a lot during that time is to be able to talk to someone who understands. Have you ever shared your heart with someone, and right in the middle of that, you see their eyes kind of drifting off? (laughs) Or they say, I'm sorry, what were you saying? And you're just pouring your heart out to this person, and you realize that the Bible said, maybe I've just cast a few pearls before swine. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I should have talked to someone who actually cared a little more. And it's a deflating and a discouraging and an even depressing experience when you bare your soul and your heart to someone who just doesn't get it and they just don't get you. But can I tell you, every time you go to God in prayer, you're talking to someone who gets it. You're talking to someone who gets you. In fact, in Hebrews chapter four, in verse 15, the writer of Hebrews, get this, said, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He was all points tempted as you and I are, yet he had no sin. So you have someone you can talk to 24 seven, no matter where you are at any moment in time, you can talk to someone who gets you and who gets what you are going through and he can relate to it because you haven't gone through anything that he cannot uh, relate to. In fact, I can show you in scripture and I just wanna pick out a few examples this morning uh, of where our savior went through experiences in life not unlike what we go through, And in going through those experiences of life, he too had this turmoil of soul, this heaviness of his heart, this troubled heart, if you will. In fact, when you look in John chapter 11 and verse 33, one of his best friends while he lived on the earth, Lazarus had died. And when Jesus gets to the scene and they go out to the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha are there and other friends had gathered, neighbors no doubt, and they're weeping at the grave. And the Bible says when Jesus saw that, he was, the Bible says here, he was very troubled in his spirit. He was troubled in his heart. When he saw the brokenness of those people that he loved so much and what they were going through, his heart, was trouble go to the next chapter in John chapter 12 when Jesus was uh telling his disciples I'm approaching the hour that I'm going to leave you to go to the cross and the reality of that had finally settled in in John 12 27 here's what he said now my soul is troubled he said I, I'm experiencing this troubled soul for what I'm about to go through Go to the next chapter in John chapter 13. And when he had told them that one of these guys that he had worked so closely with that he had poured his life into, one of those guys would betray him. He said concerning that he was troubled in his spirit. So put that together as we kind of build up to our text this morning. John 11, Jesus is troubled in heart. John 12, he's troubled because of of, of what he's about to go through. John 13, he's troubled in heart again because of the betrayal of a friend. And all of a sudden you get to our text in John 14 and you see that there's a transition that happens. Jesus goes from uh, thinking about and expressing the trouble that is his own heart and he goes to the concern that he has in the hearts of these guys who had followed him so closely. Can I tell you it's a great therapeutic thing to do when your heart is troubled or your heart is heavy or your heart is broken. One of the best things you can do, it's good psychology, it's good theology is to do something for someone else. Now I agree it's hard to do that When you're so far down, you have to look up to see bottom. (laughs) And sometimes it's difficult to kind of get a hold of yourself and say, I need to do something for someone else. But I can tell you, it may be one of the most meaningful things you can do at one of the most difficult experiences of life is when you turn that thing away from you and you turn it towards someone else and say, I'm gonna try to minister to someone else even though I'm in need of ministry. So when you get to John 14, understand, his soul is troubled. His spirit is troubled, his heart is troubled. But Jesus does something beautiful, look at it with me if you will. John chapter 14, look at verse one. He says to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, he was saying, I can handle this, I'm God in the flesh, I have a strength that you don't have but I'm worried about you, I'm worried about what you're going through. I don't want you to be overcome or overwhelmed by the experience that you're going through right now. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwellings. If this were not so, I would have told you, and I, I love that. He's saying, I know you're emotionally beat down right now. I know you're vulnerable, and I'm the last one that would take advantage of you right now. I know you're looking for hope. I know you're looking for something to hold on to. But if there were no heaven, if there were nothing beyond this veil of tears, if there were nothing to be hopeful for in the future, I would tell you that. Then we'd just buy into the Epicurean philosophy of let's just eat, drink, and be merry, because there ain't nothing after this. He said, so if it were not so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And then he underscores it this way, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. I've been talking to you about this thing called heaven, I've been talking to you about this for a long time. And Thomas hadn't connected all the dots. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus gave to Thomas a great answer, verse six. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, No one comes to the Father except by me. And in this little brief narrative, our Lord gives to his disciples, and I hope to impart to you, a way to deal with a troubled heart. How do you get through what you're going through? How do you deal with this troubled heart? And the first thing I would have you to consider is this, understand the peace that he offers. The peace that he offers. You may be in the middle of a terrible storm. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it is something so personal and private, it's hard for you to talk to anyone right now about what you're going through and keep the emotional bubble in the middle. I get that. (laughs) But I'm just suggesting to you, there is a way, it is possible in the midst of everything you're going through right now to have absolute Peace in the midst of that turmoil. Did you know you can have an untroubled heart in the middle of a troubled life? Your life can be trouble. Your life can be difficult. Your life can be hard. But at your core, at your inmost being, you can have an untroubled heart. And isn't it interesting what he said? He said, let not your heart be trouble. He didn't say, let not your life be troubled. <laughs> Sometimes we think of it that way. Wow, you just connect with your creator, you know Jesus, you come to church, you give some money, you know, you invite your friends, you serve, you do all these things, you check all the boxes, and you won't have any trouble. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna have a trouble-free life. And some nitwits in my profession actually tell people, hey, if you just serve Jesus, you can be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I say that because I got to follow them like the guy following the elephant with a shovel and clean that up because that's just not true. Did I say that out loud? It's not true. Now, sometimes you may be healthy and wealthy and wise, but sometimes you're sick, broken, stupid too. And you can love Jesus on either extreme but I'm just suggesting to you that there is no guarantee anywhere in the Bible that you will have a trouble-free life. It isn't there. Jesus said, in this world, we will have trouble. But he said, be of good courage, I've overcome the world. He's getting real. He's saying, I don't wanna give you false hope. I don't, I, I don't wanna give you this impression that somehow you can do a little more, try a little harder, give a little more, you know, sacrifice a little more, and all of a sudden you're in the zone. You're in the pocket. You're in a trouble-free experience. It isn't there. One of my go-to's that I've shared this many times is Job 14. Job's probably the oldest book of the Bible. And in Job 14, Job writes this and says in verse 1, man who is born of woman, and that's pretty much everybody, man who is born of woman is of a few days, we're not here long, and then he described those few days this way, they're full of trouble. Here's what I know you've heard me say. You're in trouble right now. You're getting out of trouble right now. Or you're about to get in trouble right now. (laughs) It's a cycle. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean anything bad in your, it doesn't mean God's hacked off at you, none of the above. It just is what it is. <laughs> life is cyclical. You're going to go through experiences of life in and out of trouble. And Jesus did not say to his apostles, let not your life be trouble. You know why? He knew what they were about to go through. He told him in Matthew 26, it was a throwback to Zechariah 13. It was a a fulfillment of that prophecy in Zechariah. Here's what he said. When the shepherd is smitten, the sheep will scatter. And the shepherd is gonna be smitten on the cross and you guys are gonna scatter. Of course, when he said that, Simon Peter said, not me. (laughs) Man, I'll I'll die for you, Lord. There's no way. And and Jesus looked at him and said, you're the first one out the door. Loosely translated. He knew Simon Peter better than Simon Peter knew Simon Peter. Be careful what you boast of. Be careful what you say in here in a safe environment that I will never do if something I, you know, if I go through a hard time, be careful what you boast of. (laughs) Pride goes before a fall. And Jesus said before the rooster crows, son, you'll deny me three times. Not just once, you'll deny me three times. (laughs) You're gonna triple down on that denial. What's my point? My point is Jesus knew as bad as it is right now and as troubled as your hearts and lives are right now, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. The light at the end of the tunnel, boys, is another train. (laughs) He was just keeping it real. He was just saying that you're gonna go through some persecution, you're gonna have some difficulty, but you're gonna be okay. Uh, And he he says to them, let not your heart be troubled. And the reason that was significant, if if your heart is untroubled, then whatever your, your trouble hits your life, you'll be okay. Think about your life as being in a boat at sea. And even though you go through a storm, as long as the water stays out of the boat, you're good to go. The reason boats sink is not because they're not buoyant, it's because the water that they're on becomes, gets inside the boat and the boat loses buoyancy and sinks. What's my point? You can be in the middle of trouble, but when trouble gets in you, you lose your spiritual buoyancy, right? It gets in your heart. I mean, yeah, there's gonna be trouble out here and it may be physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, relational, a lot of stuff. Everybody in the room has a story. I'll pull right up next to you. We'll cry together this morning. If you want to do that, I feel sorry for myself sometimes. I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and want to cry. You ever do that to you? You get up here in my lap, you big old thing. I'll give you a You ever want to do that? Just love on yourself a little bit? I'm saying we're all going through some stuff. And the stuff that we're going through, what we're going through is not nearly as significant as long as we keep what we're going through out here. But the problem is, is what we're going through gets in here. You lose your buoyancy and that's what happens in a troubled heart now there's no way you can go through life and not have a troubled heart it's just you don't want to have a continual continuous condition called a troubled heart it'll take joy out of your life it'll make you bitter it'll take the peace away from you It, it, it will change who you are it can even affect you physically So I'm just suggesting you, Jesus was looking at these guys knowing, look, I I gotta do something about your heart. You got a little heart problem here, we gotta deal with this. And the heart was so significant, because when I say heart, it's the seat of emotion. The heart is the essence of who we are. The heart is more than the muscle that's pumping blood through our chest. When Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, he's talking about who you are at your core. When you study scripture, you understand that the heart is my mind, my mind, my intellect, how I think. A troubled heart affects your thinking. When you have a troubled heart, you don't think straight. When you have a troubled heart, you you don't think clearly because you're so overwhelmed with your stuff and the water is in the boat now and you're you're not thinking clearly. So it affects your, your thinking. That's why sometimes when you're in the middle of the storm, the best decision you should make is no decision. Just hit the big old pause button on your life. Wait for the clouds to clear, wait for the sun to break. It will. You shouldn't make any big decisions that affect your life uh, in the middle of a storm. Acts 27, when Paul was on that Alexandrian ship on his way to Rome, imprisoned to, because he had appealed to Caesar, which was his right as a Roman c- citizen. And so he was on his way to Rome, and they went into a storm. And you read the narrative, the Bible says that the guy up in the crow's nest who's watching for land, sees land, and the Bible says what they do is they throw out anchors, and they pray for daylight. Now, if you, if you understood how they navigated Storms in that day, you would understand one of the most dangerous things you could try to do is bring the ship to shore in the middle of a storm because the waters are boisterous and you can't see the reefs. You can't see the rocks. And you can be in in sight of the shore and lose everything. You can be in chest deep water and lose everything. So what they do is they throw the anchors out and the anchors were designed to slow the ship down. And then the Bible says they start praying for daylight because they knew that was a temporary fix. So they put the anchors in the water, they're slowing the anchors, they're dragging the bottom. And so they're trying to slow the vessel down so they don't break up on the reefs and the rocks. What's the spiritual application of that? When you're going through a storm, throw some anchors out. Tell some people who are pressuring you, no, <laughs> Scooter, Back off. I'm not giving you a decision right now. You don't like that too bad. Deal with it, you get happy in the same bridges you got mad in. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, when you go through something like that, you can make a huge mistake by making a decision in the midst of a storm. Why? Because a troubled heart, when the water is in the boat, it affects your thinking. Your heart is your mind. By the way, your heart is your emotions. You feel with your heart, you you, you have emotions, and they can just be all over the page. And your emotions can drain life out of you. And when you have unhealthy emotions, it can absolutely take the joy out of your life. Sometimes to deal with those emotions, you need to talk to someone. And talk to someone who has a skill set to help you navigate through what you're thinking and what you're feeling about what you're thinking. I had a psychiatrist, a psychologist friend one time tell me that if he can get people to tell him what they're thinking about, most of them will not believe what they heard themselves say. <laughs> They'll say it and say, I don't really believe what he said. But you know, when they did believe it, they believed it before they said it. Because it was all up in here. It takes on a life of its own. Right? And so I'm saying, your heart, is your, your heart is your intellect, your mind, your heart is your emotion. And by the way, your heart is your, is your will, what I do. What I do is a direct result of my, of my heart. And so I'm just saying to you as we think about this this morning, is when you're going through a difficult time and the water is coming into the boat, it is the will of God, your heart not be overwhelmed, that your heart not be troubled, that you have peace, And then he told them how to have peace. He said this, it's in your faith. You believe in God, believe in me, have faith in me. Know whatever you're going through right now, the difficulty of life, the waters coming over the edge of the boat. Have I failed you yet, God? God is saying, have I let you down? Have I ever betrayed you? Have I ever told you something that wasn't true? Have I ever lied to you? He said, you believe God, believe in me. What was he saying? Exercise your faith. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, when you're going through a storm, all you have is faith. All you have is the hope in God that somehow or another, what you're going through is ultimately going to work out for your good and his glory. Even though it doesn't seem like that right now. You gotta have faith. What he's saying is, trust me. Trust me. He knows you better than you know you. He loves you more than you love you. So when you're in the middle of the storm, how you get the troubled heart, how you have the peace of God, is you have faith in him. Here's what it looks like. God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. God, I don't like this, but I trust you. God, this doesn't make sense. It isn't fair, but I trust you. You see how that works? God, this is a difficult thing. I'm not sure anyone really understands the depth of of the sorrow in the heart and the difficulty of the painful life that we're going through. But God, I choose to trust you. You almost have to get that dogged determination that Job had. Remember what he said? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said, I don't care what happens to me. I have made up my mind to trust God. So Jesus here is saying, look, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. And he's tying this peace of an untroubled heart to the faith that they have in him. You believe in God? Believe in me. And then not only does he talk about peace, this is beautiful, he talks about a place, (laughs) a place he offers He he pulls the stick, he raises the nose of the plane. He says, boys, in my father's house are many mansions. And I'm going in a little while to prepare that place for you. I think the preparation happened at the cross. I don't think he's up in heaven now with, you know, a hammer and nails and working on the house, right? I think that preparation was a reference to the cross, And what he was saying is, I'm about to go to the cross, and through my death and resurrection, I'm prepared. The place will be prepared. A heaven is, by the way, a prepared place for a prepared people. And by the way, it is a place. Isn't that interesting? And he calls it a place a lot like home. I pray you had a good home life. I think most people more did than didn't. But home is probably one of the happiest, safest, most serene places most people have memory of. So Jesus is using that metaphor of home to say, that's what heaven's like. It's like going home. It's warm. You can kick your shoes off. <laughs> it's, it's, it's comfortable there. Heaven is a place. I believe heaven is a place is as real as Fort Worth, Texas because Jesus called it a place. And by the way, the people there are real. The people in heaven are real. We go through this little experience down here on earth called death. Death is separation. It's what the word by definition means, separation. It's the separation of a loved one from their loved ones. I understand that. But it's deeper than that. It's the separation of one's spirit from one's soul. The body returns to the earth, Solomon said, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And when death refers to, uh, when the Bible refers to death as a sleep, it always refers to the body. The body sleeps. It's a beautiful word, by the way, sleep. Anyone sleeping is a subject to be awakened at any moment. It's talking about the resurrection. So the bodies go back to the earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, the body sleeps. Waiting the morning of the resurrection. Now what happens to the spirit and the soul, the part of us that's life? 2 Corinthians 5 says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul was saying in 1 Thessalonians 5, I pray to God that your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord so when a person dies, that spirit and soul leave that body, and they return to God. So the people in heaven, I'm saying to you, are real. And the bodies, one day, those resurrected bodies that they'll experience in heaven, those bodies are real. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul, speaking of the resurrection of Jesus said, Jesus becomes the first fruits of all of those who have died. First fruits, meaning the example. Everything coming behind him will look like him. First fruit. upper room. Remember when Jesus first appears to his disciples? (laughs) When he first appears there in the upper room? Remember Thomas wasn't there? He missed church that weekend. (laughs) And the guy said, man, you should have been at church. It was amazing. It was awesome. You should have been there. And uh, Thomas said, well, if I'd been there, I would have had to see him and I would have had to touch him to believe that he's really alive. No one survived Roman crucifixion. No one survived that. One of the most brutal deaths that anyone could die. And the Roman centurions were good at execution. You were, you were deader than a doornail when they got done with you. Jesus didn't resuscitate in the tomb because he lapsed into some comatose state. They didn't let everyone else die except him. He died on the cross. They were good at that. Thomas knew no one, no one survives a crucifixion I don't believe he's alive. And they said, well, you need to come in the upper room and maybe he'll show up and appear again, and he does. Read Luke 24, they're in the upper room one more time, right where they were a few hours ago when they had that last supper. Remember the picture on that side of the table and everything, and they're back there in that upper room. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus appears. And It's interesting, when you read what he says when he appears, he says, fear not, peace. And man, when somebody you know was dead and they suddenly show up in the same room with you, peace and fear not are pretty good things to hear. (laughs) We say, chill, chill, don't run, chill. Hang on. And then the point I'm making with this whole little illustration happens in verse 39. Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, reach and touch me. He said, a spirit, a ghost, doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me have. And Thomas knelt before him and said, my Lord, And my God. What kind of bodies are the resurrected bodies? Flesh and bone. (laughs) You're going to be able to touch your loved ones. You're going to see your loved ones. By the way, we'll have memory in heaven. You're going to be able to recall events that happened on the earth while you're in heaven. Remember Luke 15? Uh, uh, Yeah, 15 or 16, right? Where the rich man and Lazarus see one another. Lazarus is in heaven, the rich man in hell. And you remember the conversation they have? They remembered the events that had happened here on the earth, they remembered the interactions that they had had one another, with one another while they were on the earth. In fact, the rich man said, please persuade someone to go talk to my five brothers so they don't be as stupid as I was to reject the opportunities that I have and end up where I am. Loosely translated. What's my point? My point is people in eternity have memory, recall, We'll know each other. We're gonna be in bodies of flesh and bone. We're gonna be in a place that's as real as this place. Someone said, well, where is heaven? I don't know. Out there somewhere. (laughs) Jesus says it's wherever he is and wherever Jesus is will be heaven for me. How about you? So what was he doing? He was saying, look, I know your heart's heavy, but I'm gonna give you peace. It's in your faith in me. And I wanna tell you, I'm taking you somewhere. Listen, this is as hard as it's gonna get for you, child of God. This is the only hell you're ever gonna go through is what you go through here on this earth. Understand that. We're going to a better place. I read the last book of the Bible. Guess what, we win. We win. Good news. Me mean, step on the lead there, but we're gonna we'll be okay. Here's the third thought. Not only the peace he offers, the place he offers, understand this, I close, the promise he offers. He said, look, Thomas, and to everyone else. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But if you'll come to Jesus and you'll say, Lord, I believe, here's what happens. You have a relationship with him. You have a connection with your creator. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven is your home. You're sure for heaven this morning as though you're already there. Not only do you have a relationship with Jesus, you have fellowship with his Father. Jesus said, you can refer to God as dad. <laughs> you can go to him and you can pray to him and you can ask anything in his name and his father will grant it according to his will, according to whether Jesus gets glory or not. So get this promise. When I believe Jesus, I have a relationship with him. I have fellowship with his father. Get this thirdly, I have companionship with the Holy Spirit. He said in that same chapter, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. Now understand, he's not called the observer. He's called the helper. (laughs) He's not coming to go, hmm, I I do that differently. He's coming to get right in there with you. He's the helper. The Greek word is paraclete. It's an interesting word. The word picture when I describe paraclete is one who comes alongside of one. Think about being a little vessel out on a storm-tossed sea. Water's coming over the side. And all of a sudden, here comes a big Coast Guard clipper and pulls right alongside of you and rescues you. That's the paraclete. Some of you are taking some water in this morning. <laughs> you, you're, you're taking some water over the bow. Some of you, the trouble that you're going through out here has gotten in here. It's pulling you down. I get that. You know what I have to do every day? I gotta dip water out of my heart. I gotta dip water. because we're going through a season of life, as you know, It's not easy. So in order to keep what we're going through out here from getting in here, I gotta dip a lot of water. (laughs) I gotta say, Lord, this is not fair. This makes no sense. But I choose to trust you. I know you're too good to do wrong. I know you're too wise to make a mistake. And I believe if the stars fall, your word will still stand. I know you cannot fail. I know you will not fail. And so, I dip a little more water and I say, I trust you. And can I tell you, I think it's working for me. Maybe it might work for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that never returns void. And I pray this morning as we considered the idea of having an untroubled heart, in the midst of a troubled life that we'll connect the dots and see that our faith in you is the key to that peace that we'll be encouraged with the hope of heaven that this is as hard as it'll be and one day we will be in your presence healthy and whole free of sin and sorrow and until then I pray we'll just rely on your promises You said you cannot lie. You said you never change. You said you do not fail. And this morning with everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. I pray for my friends today who may be dipping water and on their own and they feel like that anyway. I pray they'll trust you more. I pray they'll just grit their teeth as Job said and say, oh, he slay me yet will I trust him. And for those who need someone to pray for them before they leave, I, I pray they'll find their place here at the front and let one of these amazing people who love them and care about them spend a few moments to pray for them. Thank you, Father, for the joy it is to know you, for the hope we have through you, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.